This is a download from BFM 89.9, the business station. All right. What did I have? I had the buffet at the Fullerton Hotel. There was hash browns. I had some chicken sausages. I had some curry something. Um, Coffee, of course. And yeah, that's about it. Cereal. Cereal. This is Bookmark. I'm Uma Paganampake Pagan, and joining me today is Jay Asher. He is the author of the books What Light and the Future of Us, but you will most likely know him as the guy who wrote the best-selling 13 Reasons Why. Jay was one of the many, many writers featured at this year's Singapore Writers' Festival, where I caught up with him for a quick chat. Hi, my name is Jay Asher. Um, I write books for teenagers. My first one, 13 Reasons Why, was made into a Netflix series, and it's probably my most well-known, definitely my most well-known. One of the things that struck me when I read 13 Reasons Why, a lot of authors and creators, when addressing difficult subjects like suicide or autism or anything that afflicts young people especially, tend to crouch it in humor. Mm, And sometimes they often use it as a crutch. Now, while there is some humor in your book, I quite appreciate the fact that you didn't necessarily use humor as a crutch. I thought it was very important that a topic like suicide, and you know, I like the jokes about suicide as much as the next person, but (laughs) you know, I I quite like that you took that approach to it. And I was wondering if that was ever a debate with you because you're addressing young people with this book. And was humor ever something you wanted to utilize? That's an interesting question because uh, everything I had tried writing before that book was humorous. So it seems like it would have been natural to go in a humorous direction. But I actually never really considered that. When the idea for the book came to me, the idea – like it came fully formed. I had had the idea of kind of an audio tour structure for years – And I had a close relative who attempted suicide at that same age. I never thought I would write about it. But honestly, I was driving early in the morning one time. And that subject and the audio tour structure kind of came together. And it seemed like the perfect way to tell that story. Because then you would also have somebody else's thoughts as he's listening to what this girl says. Um, And it just always felt like a very serious book. So I just never considered it another way. So where did that audio structure come from? I mean, as a broadcaster, that's incredibly appealing to me because, you know, listening to cassette tapes, it almost feels, at least in this day and age, that someone was podcasting their death. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so I I was on an audio tour in Las Vegas, actually. It was an exhibit of King Tut's tomb, you know, and obviously not the real King Tut's tomb, but that was my first audio tour. And I, the whole time I was just fascinated by that structure that I could take my time with it. I could rewind it. I could pause and take a break whenever I wanted to. And that no matter where I moved, there was this voice, this pre-recorded voice in my head telling me what I was looking at. And I just thought that was such a cool structure that immediately at the very end of that tour, once I hit stop, I thought, I want to write a book like this with this structure. And because I was trying to write funny books... Um, anytime I would come up with an idea for a novel, I would think, is this a story to tell this way? And I was trying to come up with funny ideas, and I just never hit on something where that was more than just a gimmick. So I I, I thought it was such a cool and a unique idea. I wanted to save it for a story 
where that structure enhanced the story. And so when I came up with that idea, I felt this was the best way to tell that story. And, and I was very excited about it because I had never seen something done that way. Now, you wrote the book at a time when, I guess, technology was coming to its own with regards to self-expression. Yeah, yeah. So why cassette tapes? Yeah, so you're going to have to follow me on this. I use cassette tapes to keep the book modern. <laughs> because <laughs> Tell me more. When I, when I came up with the idea, well, actually, when I, yeah, when I came up with the idea for 13 Reasons Why, it was like the end of 2002 or early of 2003, and already I could tell technology was changing a lot. Like there was, there was the internet. There was, there was no social media yet. So people weren't expressing themselves that way. Um, but people were starting to record things and put it online so you can listen to. And CDs were still the most popular way to transfer music. Um, but it was just changing so fast that I knew if, if I, even if I finished this book in a year, then it takes another year or two for it to come out. And you don't want a book to be relevant only when it comes out. You want it to withstand some time. So I knew if I used whatever the most modern type of recording was. It would get dated. Because the characters would respond as if it was modern. Right. So I intentionally used an old form. And the very beginning of the book, Clay, when he gets this box of tapes, he says, I don't even know if I have a way to play them. Which is exactly what a reader now, 10 years from now, would say. So it keeps it modern by making it outdated even to the characters. To be fair, I have no idea what to do with my CDs anymore. Yes. You know, my wife and I just went through them. <laughs> I know. With CD players yeah. anymore. Yeah. It's crazy. I guess the basic premise of the book, this notion that everything affects everything, mm -hmm. for me was a rather depressing notion in that <laughs> because when we've heard about things like the butterfly effect, for yes, example, yes. it's often painted in a I wouldn't say a positive light, but sometimes it can be in a relatively neutral light. Mm -hmm. However, with mm -hmm. everything affecting everything, it means, at least by implication, that no one is innocent. No one's innocent, but you can be guilty of good things too. I right? suppose. That's a nice spin. You know, I thank you. Thank you. I was proud of it when I was organizing it in my head. Um, but, but I do mean it in a negative and in a positive way, where in the book... You know, there, there were times where Clay's character, the one who's listening to the cassette tapes, where he realizes he could have done more to reach out. And he doesn't know what the repercussions of reaching out would have been, but it would have been different than what happened. And it could have been something really positive. And that's kind of the change he goes through. By the end of the book, he, at the, throughout the book, he's this very non-confrontational, if it doesn't concern me, I'm not going to do anything. Yeah. And by the end of the book... Well, like most high school kids, right? Like you just want to like a lot of adults. Yeah. And like a lot of adults. And by the end of the book, he's changed. He's decided he starts to reach out to this person. And he doesn't know if anything amazing is going to happen about with this reaching out. But he's never done that before. And so he, has, he realizes he has a chance to affect everything. So with that in mind, and with everything that's happening in the world right now, is everyone culpable? Yes, in both the good and the bad ways. I mean, you know, when we do, it's, it's this, you can't deny that we affect each other in ways we can't anticipate. Again, the good and the bad. If you ignore somebody because you're just mad at them, it's probably going to have a negative effect. If you smiled at somebody just to smile, you don't know they might have needed that smile that day and it didn't cost you anything, you know, and that idea, that's really what I wanted to say with the book, that even sometimes the smaller things we do, 
good and bad, we have no way of knowing how they're going to affect other people, but they do affect other people. I, I think for me, that was probably one of the most fascinating reads of the book, which was, sure, it's this fantastic meditation on, I guess, the effect everyone around us has on, say, an individual and how it might push that person to an extreme measure like suicide, but also this idea of self-reflection on the part of each of these individuals yeah. and the quote-unquote crimes they may have committed mm-hmm. against an individual. Yeah. Um, because when they were doing it, they, some, some of them knew they were doing something knew. really bad, but some of them didn't know. Or even though, even if they knew like the peeping Tom, okay, he knew what he was doing was wrong, but he didn't know it was going to actually negatively affect her. And, but he also didn't know what else she was dealing with, that her home was her only safe place at that point. And so, yeah, it's that idea that we affect each other in ways we can never anticipate. And that was an exciting idea to work with that each of these characters were doing things not knowing really who they were doing it to because they didn't really know her. So I wanted to ask you about some of the differences between uh, the TV show and the book, uh, which I found one of the, one of the cleverest things I found that works well on the TV show was the decision to change it from binge listening in one night to not. Yeah. If only because it runs in contrast to what Netflix is trying to do by making you binge watch. <laughs> that's hilarious. And yeah. I was just watching yeah. it and I was going, that's really cunning if that's yeah. what they thought. Yeah. It was this really meta meditation. That's really, I hadn't thought of that. That's brilliant. <laughs> yeah. He, why doesn't Clay do the Netflix thing and just binge these tapes? <laughs> Correct, right? <laughs> um, and, 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 and what did you think of that? Because of, of course yeah. it created a certain sense of dramatic tension. Yeah. Well, it, what, 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 was fascinating to me was when I first started writing the book, I was going to do it how they ended up doing it because I wanted to see some of the interactions between Clay and the other characters that I thought was going to be really important and and exciting to see the drama that comes from that. And I don't necessarily know why I decided not to do it that way. Part of it was a puzzle. Can I tell a story in just one night? Um, But I, I kind of think I just wanted it to be this more intimate story. Just him. But also, in your book, we spend a lot of time in Clay's head. Yes. And I think which you don't get in the TV no, series. No, which is a lot easier to do in yeah. literature than it is on TV. Because, yeah. yeah. I mean, the moment the character knows more than me, mm-hmm. it becomes very hard to pull off over 13 episodes. Yes. Well, and we had originally sold it as a movie, and where then it was just going to be 90, 100 minutes or something, right. and it was going to take place over one night, because you could do that more. But when you stretch it out, it just would not have worked. And so I was excited about that because I was going to get to see some of those interactions. And I thought then it was going to be the same story, but just expanded, you know, which usually is not what you get. Usually you get the story, but so much taken out. Also, the pills versus the graphic scene yeah. in the TV show. Now, I... I quite liked that. I thought it was necessary for the TV show. Um, but I have read some of the criticism, um, especially from people who this said... Criticism? You know, yeah, who said yeah. that it could be triggering mm-hmm. uh, with the graphic nature of it. How did you feel about, I guess, the graphic nature of her suicide, of Hannah's suicide in the TV show? Yeah, well, I thought they had to show it because in the book, I mean, just the way it's purely her recording and then his thoughts after the fact. Oh, of course. There would have been no way. But there there would have been no way to show it because it's already happened at the beginning of the book. Whereas in the TV show, you're not just in his head and you're not just in her recording. You see lots of things that happen outside of the tapes. And so if you're having a story that has to do with all these very negative things 
and you're showing them. And then when it comes time to that, you don't. It puts across the idea that I was really trying to get away from, and I know they were trying to get away from, that we can talk about all this other stuff in a very honest, raw way, but that issue, no. And I know, like, with my relative, the one who attempted suicide, that was part of her deal. She knew that any time you could talk about anything. But when it came up to suicide, no. That's where we don't talk. And so you don't reach out if you feel adults are afraid to talk about this. And, and that's exactly how it would have felt if that was the scene that we pulled back on, you know. And so they changed it, like you said, from pills to, to how she does do it because – I chose pills only for no reason other than that's how my relative did it. There, there was, it didn't matter how she did it for the book. It made no difference no, to the story. No, it was the act of as opposed yeah. to. But in the TV show, you have to make a decision. And I th- I'm pretty sure the reason they went I, – I, I've had – we had so many conversations about this. I'm pretty sure the reason was pills would have been she just goes to sleep really casual. And I don't mean this in a facetious way, but when you're watching – a television series or a movie, you do need dramatic effect. It, you need a dramatic effect, yeah. But at the same time, it, it needed to be painful to watch. Correct. And, one and of it the, was. One of the most incredible things, like, I didn't know people did this, but people will video themselves watching that scene. And you can go to YouTube and really? see they're called reaction videos of them watching that. And everybody's face is just like grimacing. Like they don't want to see that because you, you get to know this character. They know it's not real. You know, it's Hollywood. No, also, Jay, I mean, we've become so jaded with everything we've seen on (laughs) TV and in movies. And let me tell you, that scene still made me flinch. It's been a long time since something on TV made me flinch. Yeah, yeah. For me, I mean, I was involved with this and it was – and I knew the actress. So I knew her as a person, not a character. And yet it was so difficult to watch and it needed to be, you know, it's – the thing itself, the act itself is painful. And then something else you don't get in the TV show, watching the parents come in. Yeah. Like, and I, I, that's, that to me has made the biggest difference from what I've heard. I have heard from so many people, teens who you don't want to be a burden on your parents. For a lot of kids Correct. who are suicidal, yes, it's going to hurt them. But I know right now my life is a burden for them. You see their, those, the actors' reaction when they see their daughter oh, in Kate the bathtub. Walsh was. Kate Walsh. Oh, my Oof. goodness. Yeah. That's more than just it's going to hurt them. Yeah. It's going to destroy them. So tell me this. It's, it's been a while since you wrote and published the book. <laughs> yeah. And then the TV series came out almost a decade later. Am I right? Yeah. 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 Almost a decade later. And I'm always curious as to whether that – has inspired you to revisit these characters, whether watching them on screen, whether mm. that has had any effect on your process. Not to me, only because I've been talking about that book for the past 10 years. I'm constantly talking about those characters. Because, of course, you've gone on the road. Yeah, I and speak at schools to, all yeah. the time. And, and honestly, there was a couple of years uh, after the book came out when I was working on my next book, I even I was thinking, man, am I going to have to talk about this book forever? <laughs> it yes, was getting yes, annoying. <laughs> yeah, and then I realized, man, that's a quite an honor to have written something that ten years later people still want to talk about. And it's and and for you know, teens are there's always new teens, so it's fresh for them and it's with exciting. the same problems. Yeah, with the same problem, D- diff- they can be slightly different, you know, with social media and stuff, but 
but the problems themselves, the basic problems are still the same. I mean, bullying is bullying. Gossip is gossip, right? Mm -hmm. Um, So there's going to be a second season. Yeah, they're filming it now. I know. Yeah. Is there is there going to be another book? Are no. You, are you? No. 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 And so, it, what's been really fascinating about this is, like I said, when I was writing the book, my initial concept was to have it take place over several days, and I wrote it one way. But now I got to see what that was like, and I had considered several times doing a sequel, like what the continuation of Clay's story, and and also what happens to some of the other people when they're they've been outed by Hannah. And for various reasons, I decided not to write a sequel, but now I get to see it without having to write it. I'm and tell, lazy, and that's awesome. I well, well, you say that, but tell me this. I mean, you're okay with, I guess, other yeah. people taking your characters and going nuts. I am, mostly because I know the people going nuts with it. And, you know, the... the they call him the creator of the show. And when I first started hearing that, I'm like, what are you talking about? I created this thing. <laughs> but so much goes into creating a TV series. He's definitely the creator of the series. And and I trusted him so much with the characters, partly because he started as a fan. He he was in a YA book club with his niece years before he got this job, and he absolutely loved the book. And so you're starting with somebody who absolutely wants to do justice to the book and the characters. And we talked about why he connected with it. And he was just a guy that completely got it. And really sees the characters as his own and which I wanted I wanted him to take ownership of the characters and um and he's leading the second season and some of the writers are the same some of the writers are different but it's 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 been an amazing experience for me because those are characters I care about and I know my readers care about them and I know that there's people on the film side who care about them just as much and I've I, I just feel completely comfortable with the people doing it, which is I'm lucky. And you to know feel what? I way. think sometimes that's what it takes, right? I mean, yeah. when 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 and we've seen it. You know, when a, when a fan, when Denis Villeneuve does Blade Runner, when J.J. Abrams does Star Wars. Yes, exactly. It's it's a it's a, it's a, I, I you can love see those that visions, love right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. That it's passion not just is the job. There. Correct, correct, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Uh, one last thing before I let you go, um, I'm sure you must have just thousands of stories from people <laughs> yes. on the road. Yeah. Uh, yeah, what's that it's been pretty like? incredible. It's, I, I mean, I've had various times where it felt overwhelming. Um, usually at times where I'm personally dealing with some stressful issues in my life and here comes somebody who doesn't know me and yet feels they can tell me the, the, the deepest most secrets. Intimate, yeah. yeah. And at some point I'm like, you know, it, it would be hard to take, but at the same time, it's just such an honor when you write a book that has touched people in a way that they feel they can tell you anything. And um, it can be very overwhelming, some of the stories. And it can be, you know, that usually they're telling you really difficult stories. But again, it's, a, it's an amazing honor. And that's one of the things when I travel around, when I speak about suicide prevention, I, I tell the people I'm speaking to, they're telling me this when they should be telling you it. But that, that's because I wrote about it. You need to make sure they know they can come to you when they need to. They can't assume it. They have, they have to know it. Jay, it's been a pleasure. Thank you. This, this has been a great time for me. Jay Asher was one of the featured writers at this year's edition of the Singapore Writers Festival. You can find 13 Reasons Why at all good bookstores. You can stream the series on Netflix. And if you haven't already, I'd urge you to check them out. This is Bookmark on BFM 89.9. Thank you for listening to this podcast. 
To find more great interviews, go to bfm.my or find us on iTunes. BFM 89.9, The Business Station.